On this episode of the Loud Outs Podcast, Billy and I get into the pitch clock, pitch timer, whatever you want to call it, and every possible facet you could think of. Digging in deep, Loud Outs Podcast starts now. Welcome into the Loud Outs Podcast. It has been a fun spring training so far as we sat here and watched these new rules get played out. And there are opinions galore on all of them. But today, Spill and I are going to talk about exactly what's going on with this pitch clock, pitch timer, whatever you want to call it, Spilly. It has been a lot of fun. Where are you on the name of this whole thing? Because we don't even have a unified opinion yet on what this thing is actually going to be called all year. I, I mean, I'm assuming pitch clock. Or we, so you're saying timer. I guess timer makes more sense because it's counting down a pitch countdown. It's not like it's New Year's Eve. Although it would be kind of fun if we do have New Year's Eve, there is the shot clock in basketball. It feels very similar in NFL. You have the game clock, so can it? So pitch clock does fall in line with game clock in um, in those different sports. Hmm. Pitch timer, I think, feels more accurate because at the end of it, there is that violation. So I think I'm okay with pitch timer. Do you want to go? I mean, is there something even more outlandish that we could? conceive well outlandish is fun because we've seen it with the extra runner that's at an extra innings right whether it's ghost runner the manfred man uh the automatic runner right we've gone through all of that in the back and forth i don't think we're ever going to get everybody on the same page but i exactly what you just said i was thinking about the other day and got me leaning toward pitch clock because again what you said you got the shot clock you got the game clock you got the play clock in the other sports i guess it's only a game clock in um, hockey, I don't know, but it seems like clock is always the way that you go, even if it's for something that's consistent that gets reset uh, throughout a game. So I'm actually more on pitch clock. I've been saying pitch timer because I think Major League Baseball, all the stuff that they uh, distributed, all the information, all the presentations that we saw, I feel like they might have been labeled as timer. But I think clock is is where we're going to settle. Ultimately, I think fans are going to decide this and how they refer to it the most. Like this is the biggest group of people. And I think because they're also fans of other sports. I think it actually ends up being pitch clock. I think you're right. I think pitch clock because it's universal with with the other sports. It becomes pitch clock. Although I do like, you know, every good movie has a ticking clock. Uh, So some sort of resolution. (laughs) I mean, that's what makes a good adventure movie is, is you're, you're chasing down this, this clock. I will say based on how fans have reacted so far and seeing some of the, uh, amount of time that has been taken off in major league game. Although it's, it's still very, very early. You're looking at close to 23 minutes and the universal perception of the pitch timer, pitch clock has been positive. I've seen a lot more positive than negative, but that doesn't always mean that it's going to carry on that way throughout the season. So with that being said, thinking about, you know, whether or not guys actually like this thing, it was kind of funny watching Zach Wheeler after his first spring training start. He was asked about it. He was really short and to the point. He said, I don't like it. And didn't leave anything else open. Like, you know, they asked him more questions, wanted to get more information from him on it. Um, but he just right away, now I think he'll adjust what Major League Baseball has told us and all the polls that they took of players and what they had in the minor league said um, about a month or so for most of the guys to get comfortable. That's, a, that's about a full spring training. Uh, special spring training starting a little bit earlier this year uh, because of the WBC. So we'll see where we're at the very end. We'll see where we are a week or two into the season. But I want to go back to something um, that you said about every good movie having that clock that counts down. I instantly thought, I'm wondering who is going to be McGruber, 
right? If you remember Will Forte's <laughs> character from Saturday Night Live, what was the genius of that skit and then ultimately what turned into a movie was that he never got it done in time, right? MacGyver always got it done in time, just in time, a second or two before. MacGruber, it seemed like there was always an explosion uh, with like three seconds left on the clock. He just didn't have it right. So who's going to be that guy? Probably James Karinczak, I think, will be the MacGruber of the group because he seems to, to be a guy, as we've seen over the years, who's extremely slow and probably not going to do well. But Spilly, somebody's going to be MacGruber this year. Machado has already nominated himself. He, he said he's going to be in a lot of 0-1 counts at the start of the year. Now, uh, there is some gamesmanship here that, that I'd love to get your opinion on. First off, 15 seconds between pitches with nobody on base. And a couple of times I've already seen pitchers are, are, are ready to pitch and the hitters are getting the violations. Majority of, of hitters are, are getting the violations as it currently stands. And I have a little bit of an issue with it, um, partially because the, the hitters are already in the batter's box. And when you consider it this way, as, I, as I've been watching these, these pitchers trying to pitch to this pace, it feels much faster than 15 seconds in between pitches. And the reason why is because it is. Mm-hmm. These guys are, are realistically throwing a pitch every seven to eight seconds because they're throwing a ball before um, six seconds where the hitter has to be in the box looking. And that's where we've seen some of the violations. And, and to me, if there is any adjustment to be made, it's for the pitchers to allow that full time. So get on the mound. If the hitter's in the box, and he's not looking up at six seconds. I don't care. I don't yeah. care if he's in the box. I don't want to see violations. You still have six seconds and, yeah. you know, throwing a ball every seven to eight seconds. That feels faster than what the clock was intended to do. So I would much prefer seeing pitchers get on the mound, even if they're there waiting, almost like wait till the clock expires, go McGruber style and throw the pitch right at one or zero. Um, and, and there, there would feel like you, you would have a little bit more space. And I think you would see less violations on, on the hitter. Um, and and, uh, that's my guess is one of the reactions we're going to see as this thing gets ironed out. Yeah. That I didn't love that rule. Quite honestly, when they mentioned it, the way that it reads is the batter must be quote alert to the pitcher, the minimum of eight seconds. Otherwise it's called a strike. That part I didn't get, you know, if a hitter doesn't want to get ready right away, that's up to him. I think on the flip side of that though, too. There has to be a rule in there that says you can't throw a pitch until, right? I mean, you can't throw it at 14 if the guy's not ready. So I don't know if it's still just how umpires have always done it to make sure that he's ready. But I guess maybe maybe the number is um, eight. I don't know, even though it's not technically written. But the idea that a pitcher could throw a pitch earlier than those eight seconds is not necessarily written in the rules, which I, I look for all these different ways that pitchers and teams are going to look to take advantage of the rules. Yeah, there's, there's circumvention that MLB is keeping an eye on. But what about ways that you can actually use it um, to your advantage? We saw this early on with Max Scherzer, right, in his first start and some of the shenanigans that he was pulling off. Then it made sense. I say shenanigans. It's just a little bit different. But him forcing a hitter to call timeout a little bit. I mean, that is some upper hand stuff that Max Scherzer uh, takes control of. And we're going to see it happen more and more. And I wonder if Major League Baseball is going to try to find a way. Is there any adjustment, right? It's one thing to have gone through this with minor leaguers that don't have, you know, I want to say that they don't have a lot of power, but they're not superstars in the game, at least not yet. They're hoping that they're going to be on their way, but they're under the thumb of Major League Baseball. Sure. And so they're not going to push back. They're not going to try to do anything too sneaky. Uh, they don't want to make anybody mad. They don't want the organization to think that there's some kind of rebel rouser. I got to worry about this guy uh, being a problem. 
but Max Scherzer basically holding on and not delivering a pitch. Now he would have to if it got down to one second, but putting a hitter in a very uncomfortable position where he used this his timeout or after he's already used his timeout, and this is what I'm curious in your angle from, once you no longer have a timeout as a hitter, and I decide that I'm I'm ready to go with 10 seconds, you're getting ready with eight or nine. I can wait those full nine seconds before I throw the pitch yeah. or call it a minimum of eight. It's like standing over a putt too long. Like as a hitter, and even a pitcher for that matter, but I guess if you're trying it, you're trying it. You get locked up. You get locked up standing over a putt too long. Could you sit there and stare at a pitcher for eight seconds and still feel like you have a chance to take your best swing? I think, I, I mean... I think I'd be able to take my best swing because I'm just waiting you down. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm legitimately w- waiting for you. There's a couple, yeah, like I, I think we're going to see a lot of benefits from the pitch clock. I have a feeling hitters are going to benefit because they're not thinking so much until you do have those scenarios where, okay, Scherzer's waiting me down. Now I'm thinking, all right, uh, I, honestly, I'm thinking, screw this guy. Like you're being such yeah. a you're being such a d bag by doing this. <laughs> like clearly, you're gonna throw a fastball. I mean, this could be a whole Princess Bride sequence. Is is well, I'm uh, he's clearly gonna throw a fastball, so I'm gonna sit off speed. But I mean, like at, at some point, I think the players and the gamesmanship that's gonna occur, especially to your like if if there was the scenario where I already called timeout. And now I'm in the batter's box having to wait you out. What kind of frustration level am I going to get as a hitter? Am I going to get ticked off? Am I going to get mad? Because you, you will see players. And we remember this two O counts back in the day where a pitcher might spin a slider in there and they get the hitter grounds out and he'd come yelling at you. Oh, you chicken. Hmm. You're such a chicken for not throwing me a fastball. That, that part of the game is not here anymore where a three, two sliders is par for the course. A, a mm. O two fastball up is par for the course. So even if you're waiting down the clock, I don't think it's possible to start guessing what pitch is coming because for, for most hitters, you're just trying to look at the baseball. And again, as the pace of, of the game is, is improving, you don't have the time to say, I went over where my hands were. I, I okay. It's two to one in the sixth inning. There's a runner at third base. Uh, I'm looking for a ball middle in because I think he's trying to get me to ground out. So maybe I get the bat head out in front. I think you just react to the baseball, which is where a lot of players have paralysis by analysis is overthinking the scenario, overthinking the situation, and, and just trying to think along with the catcher or a pitcher. That has not been a benefit for anybody. When was the last time you and I, we do games for a living. We'll watch a sequence of pitches in 250 pitches over a course of a game. If I was to try to guess every single pitch, I'm probably close to 40% correct. And that would be on the high side. I would assume I'm on like the super high side. I'm not using dark arts. I'm not, you know, getting your signs and, and running it through my computer. I'm guessing. And I would probably guess 40% correct. And the ones that I'm getting are the low-hanging fruit. The 3-0 counts, early in account, certain pitchers that throw primarily fastball, I'm guessing those correctly, or, or a guy that's a primarily secondary pitch user. But if you're really getting into the nitty-gritty, a 1-1 count, 2-1, what pitch that's going to be, location, 
I, I'm not getting more than 40%. And that's not good enough to guess. Yeah. I mean, so I guess if we're trying to, you know, if you're, you're trying to win something or, you know, and guess every pitch, I would just say, well, okay, I'm just going to guess fastball. Cause I'll be right. 55% of the time on average somewhere in there, but I understand what you're saying. We get into the, the strategy of it. And you got to throw that out the window and certainly guys have all their information and try to put them in that spot where they can best guess if they want to take that approach. But just the idea of what we saw from extras and what we know undoubtedly will see from others to stand there and to hold it, knowing you can't call timeout and wait to deliver, maybe right at that one second. Is there, is there a, a psychological game um, that can be played here? Uh, so far, though, I think, um, I, I shouldn't say even so far, it has become blatantly obvious here early on. Pitchers now have more control than maybe we really thought about. They completely control the tempo now. Yes, you get your one timeout. You get one shot in an at-bat if you want to control it and call timeout. And by the way, when these hitters call timeouts, I saw this the other day. Someone brought this up. So what happens now? How long do they have timeout for? There's actually no written rule on it. It just has to be reasonable where the umpire can say, all right, let's go get back in the box. It's not a time. It's not a 15-second timeout, which we don't. I don't think we need a clock anyway, uh, but just keeping it reasonable and giving um, that hitter is, is one timeout per plate appearance and how they best use that, right? That's the thing. Are you going to sit there and start to play that mental game? Because now it's something else to think about, right? As you're sitting there, and that's, again, I think that's advantage pitcher when you're putting it in a hitter's head to say, all right, you get one shot to slow him down, use it wisely. I, I Well, what's the most important pitch for a pitcher? Uh, well, you could say strike one, and then the argument then goes to one, one. So, <laughs> okay. but I think, I think you're going to strike one. Okay. So if the most important pitch in at a bat is strike one, and I'm a hitter, I'm Manny Machado, who is already acknowledging, plus he's really good. So he can hit with two strikes. No problem. There's a, there's very few guys in major league, what was the league average when you get to two strikes last year, like 115, 140, like you're out, you're an out at the major league level. If you get to two strikes and we heard, and I know this minor leaguers were using timeouts before the bat even started. They rather call timeout, take their time to get in the batter's box, clear it out, get in the box without the pressure of being in there and getting banged with a violation for a strike. It was, it was to the benefit of a hitter to slow down the tempo. So even though you think the pitcher has a tempo, a hitter can change it with the very first, before the bat even started. I call timeout, I get in, I call timeout, I take my time, and then I get in the box, and then we're, we're hitting mano a mano for the rest of the bat. I don't have the, the extra timeout in this scenario, but at least I slowed it down. So the very first, I'm not getting my violation. And I just dictated to the pitcher when I'm ready. So I kind of like that role reversal. If there's any sort of chance for a hitter to go like, no, I got the upper hand. You're on my time. You're on my time, CJ. I walk in the box. I get in on time. I call timeout right before you're getting ready to pitch. I use it even more, settle myself in and get ready to box you. So I'm fascinated by that. I really am. The idea that that would be a strategy for a hitter and say, I'm going to get rid of it now before I even see one pitch, because then the rest of the way, now you're on the pitcher's timing and you have no chance to disrupt it. So while you got to take, you know, an extra 15 seconds on top of the 30 that you get from the last out, I don't know. There's a part of me that's like, if you want to go for it, but then I, I see the other side of it. It's like, well, it's been a while since you've now thrown a pitch, right? We're taking this big gap in here and you're keeping this new pace that we have in the game where you're moving along, moving along really well. And all of a sudden, there's a little bit of a bigger gap because you take your time out before you even get up there as you're getting up there. Yeah, I could see where that would be uh, pretty disruptive. So that's a fun one. The games that they play. So maybe not 
in control for the pitchers, but it feels like it'll be a pretty good amount. I just looked real quick. Oh, two, one, two, two, two. So those two strike counts average last year was one sixty two. I imagine the number goes up at three, two um, without even looking. Uh, it does by a few points. So up to one sixty eight. that's on those two strike counts um, that you were talking about. Then you get kind of the ones that are after two strikes, all different ways to look at it, but it's, it, it's a good point. And does that mean that it's going to lead to more bad first pitches if guys play um, that game? I don't know, man, but it's it's been good for the game so far. I don't know how much you've seen this. It, it You know, there's pushback. Of course, there's pushback. I feel like from a fan standpoint, and again, Twitter's not always our judge. It's been relatively small. I have noticed a lot of former players not involved in the game as much. That seemed to be earning more that coaching or not in broadcasting. That seemed to be most bothered by this. And I wonder if we get it, we're thrown off a little bit because of what we do now, right? The broadcasting side of this, we've been through some really long games. We've been through games that have just dragged because you've got pitchers that are taking too long in between and they're doing their thing and they've been taught, right? The mental side of the game is like, it's on your pace. This is what you've been taught. Um, have you noticed as much as I have though, from former teammates, former uh, players in the game and, and, dis- and uh, sharing their displeasure, I feel like it's been pretty steady from the former players. Uh, who are not coaching or not in broadcasting right now that absolutely hate this. Yeah, but I mean, former players, I feel like that's what, what, what we do is we complain. I mean, like every generation of former players is complaining about the current generation or, or the way that the game is being played. In, in this case, uh, I, I think the the speeding up of times, noticing that we have had spring training games at two hours and six minutes. I know the complaints for for some guys is, hey, what do you do with beer sales? What do you do with liquor sales if you have a game that's an hour and 45 minutes and you're into the seventh inning? Isn't that a revenue stream for owners? Do you really want to get rid of I'm like, come on, man. Hour and 45 minutes of drinking, It number one, it saves some money for your pocketbook. And two, do you really need that many? I remember I was playing in uh, winter ball in in Mexico, and you you remember this probably, is there was almost like a, uh, a badge of honor so if you drink your beer and we've seen these beer snakes around major league baseball. So guys, you know, guys and girls drink their beer and they put the snake together and you have like a 50 yard snake of beers. Well, uh, in winter ball, I would have some friends and family come out and they would be sitting in their seat and they'd have a stack of like seven or eight beers and, and winter ball games are notoriously long. They take forever. They're like three hour and 40 minute affairs. And in winter ball, they sell liquor throughout the game. It doesn't even matter. So. I, I do owners see a, a, a ding to the pocketbook. If games are going too fast that they're not getting, uh, you know, especially if it's a, if it's a 4th of July or firework night, maybe the beer lines are long and, and people aren't able to get two or three. I, I don't know. I, I have no idea, but I think in general from, uh, from the salty veterans watching baseball, I don't think they have the, I don't think they have a leg to stand on when it comes to this argument. I, I, the pace of the game is enjoyable. It goes back to what we've seen in the nineties and eighties and seventies and sixties. The game has gotten slow and, and to speed it up a little bit, I don't think it takes anything away from the game. We're seeing some athleticism come back with the players. I, I just think we're, we're cutting out a little bit of the fat. I will tell you this, and I know you'll enjoy this since we are part of a broadcast. One of uh, one of my buddies is a producer and did a game <laughs> During spring training, that was two hours and nine minutes. Oh, my. And said that was the most soulless game he's ever directed. He says that that game had no soul because there was nothing to do, (laughs) no elements to run, no real stories that you could do. 
He said it just lacked a heart. <laughs> well, that's a whole nother angle. There are so many different levels to this. And first of all, it's a really great point about alcohol sales. I wish that we could get a year over a year total and that Major League Baseball organizations would, would share that information with us. They're probably not. And if that's the case, do you tick up your prices a little bit because maybe you are going to be selling less because we're going to get to the seventh inning quicker? Is that better? I mean, if we're thinking about what's best for society, is it better off that we're not maybe uh, serving as much alcohol at games? I'm sure that'll get a lot of pushback, even the idea of that, let people do what they want to do, uh, especially in a place like Colorado. I mean, you know, this better than anybody. You always refer to those games in Denver and, and the ballpark being the, you know, the most popular bar in Denver and the biggest bar in Denver because it's such a party scene. And we see teams now more than ever looking at the ways that they can generate more revenue and how can they keep fans more engaged? Well, let's give them other things to do around the ballpark. Go to a bar, go to like a speakeasy in the base, whatever it is. There's all of these different things um, that are happening around the game. The television side. So I was watching a couple of games. I'm sitting here taking notes. I don't get to do my first game until March 20th, right? So I'm sitting here watching all these other games and seeing how things are getting uh, how things are changing and what adjustments am I going to have to make? What adjustments does a play-by-play guy have to make? And then the idea of elements. I think I was watching, it might've been a Phillies game I was watching and, or maybe Yankee. Game. They were talking about something and a graphic kind of got shoved in and it wasn't really on topic. And that happens sometimes in our game is you do all this work. You got these great graphics and information that you want to share. And sometimes the producer will slide one in maybe to direct the conversation that way. Um, but the problem you run into, it was actually a Met, it was a Met game. The problem you run into, they had their three-man booth. They weren't talking about what was on the board. You don't have enough time to get out of your conversation and then maybe address what was on the screen. Two different times, that's all we call a full-page um, graphic go up that did not get acknowledged at all because there wasn't wow. time to do it because they were talking about something else. And then by the time you start to wrap up your conversation, you got to get back on the picture, especially if there's nobody on base, right? I mean, if you're talking about 15 seconds, so what happens from our angle we need spring training to adjust to it as well and making sure that we're still presenting a good product on television and how that whole thing is going to flow, man. But there there will be adjustments everywhere. Uh, and for us on the TV side, it'll be noticeable. And I don't doubt that, I don't know if you know this or not, Spilly, but fans have opinions about broadcasts and we'll probably hear about that as well. I, I guess my, my last kind of position on the pitch clock is does it really make that big of a difference? Will it increase viewership for two and a half hour games? Does, it, does removing 23 minutes or 28 minutes last year, the, our biggest, um, you know, violators of, of game time were East coast teams, Phillies, Yankees, Boston, uh, Mets, like those games traditionally were well over three hours and 10 minutes. Will those are, those are fan bases that aren't going anywhere. Yankee fans aren't not watching Yankee games if it's three hours and 11 minutes. Do you get more Yankee fans? Do you get more Met fans? Do you get more Philly fans? My, my answer to shortening up the game is no. Those fan bases are rabid to begin with, and they're relevant. The, the, re, the reality of it is the fan bases that don't watch their team more often, uh, Miami, uh, Pittsburgh, those are those are teams that traditionally haven't played well, haven't been above 500 year after year. So does a two and a half hour game increase the audience size, even if the team is below 500? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. My assumption is no. My assumption is that the team is not relevant. They're not relevant. So 
And then for the experience within the stadium is two and a half hour game or a two hour and 45 minute game. Is that more enjoyable? If the game goes extra innings, are you more likely to stay and watch the ending of it? I don't know. That's why I'm reserving my, my ultimate opinion on this until the end of the year. So I can see how fans react to it, what some of the Nelson ratings are, even with all the uncertainty of RSNs. But I guess the big question at the end of the year, and we'll have to survey the fans, was it enjoyable? Was Major League Baseball more enjoyable because the pace of the game was faster? Yeah, it's great. It's another great question and another factor. And that really probably is one of the bigger questions Major League Baseball really has, right? What is their biggest issue and what is at the heart of this? And that's making sure that we're not losing our fans and that we're able to take on new ones. And that is the big one to me. And somebody asked me this question the other day. I did a radio interview, and and that was basically the question. Is this actually going to improve the appetite for the game? Are more people going to watch the game? And I think about the younger audience and thinking about times where you sit down. I know that the bad examples that we use are the extreme examples, right? Pedro Baez was ridiculously slow and unwatchable when he would come out of the bullpen. That's an extreme. Um, But the other guys, you know, that maybe were slower, uh, what was that like when someone was sitting down and watching a game and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm getting bored. I'm bored with this. Regardless of how long it's taking, the pace is the bigger issue. The time of game is nice. We're going to get to go to dinner a few more times on the road um, this year than maybe other times. But it really is about the pace and keeping fans engaged. And so was there a more likely chance that someone who's sitting down or walking by, dad's watching the game, can you keep the kid interested a little bit longer and watching it because it's moving along. There's not the dead time. I think that's the thing that really that's the bigger goal. That's the thing that matters, how that is measured when a TV is already on in a house anyway. I don't know. Um, and we'll see. And obviously ratings are really important. But I, I do think the pace for the, the younger audience or the casual fan is the big one. The time of game is one thing. And watching postseason games at 1 o'clock in the morning on the East Coast is not ideal. Uh, but they, sit, they, they set their times you know, with the purpose behind it. Where can they most capture their biggest audience? I think there's a chance that people that watch games will watch them longer. I think that if you are, say, using the Marlins as an example, you're a Marlins fan, watching bad losses, watching losses is not fun, but bad losses are worse, right? Just like when we're calling games. Like it's one thing, you know, I've been doing this now six years with the Rangers. They've been sub 500 every year. Some years have been worse than others. And when your bullpen is bad, uh, your defense is bad, those are bad losses. They're not fun to watch. If the pace is crisp, you can still, I think, find a way to find that game entertaining, even if it's a loss. So maybe that from those losing fan bases, if the things aren't going well, if at least the game is somewhat exciting, because I think fans will watch bad football, right? They'll watch bad NFL because it's moving and it keeps you intrigued to some degree. So that, that has to be um, part of the goal, man. So we'll see where that whole thing ends up. I got one more for you. I know you said um, and we covered it all, man. There's so many different aspects of this and probably more conversations that come up during the year. Some chiming in early on. Now, with spring training, so the technology is different regarding the clock because your ability to see it on television. You might see kind of that ugly clock that's up in the corner. That's not going to be what happens during the season. What is going to happen, though, is still up in the air. And you know, we see the shot clock every time, right? You watch a basketball game, the shot clock is always in what they call the score bug, or for us with the Bally's affiliates, the Bally bar that's down there. Um, I want to see it every time, even if it's small. I don't want to see the big, ugly clock there. But there was a couple of different versions that I've seen. One where it's superimposed over the mound. I don't think we need that because I think we're all going to get used to it pretty early. But I like the idea of it popping up with 10 seconds to go on the score bug. Some fans don't want to see it at all. They feel like they want to forget it. You're not going to see it in the background. There's a couple of spring training spots where you can see it. That is not going to happen in the regular season. 
Where are you on how we present this thing, the actual clock pitch by pitch on television? What do you think fans want? What do you think is going to be best for everybody? I haven't really thought about it. I know when I have seen a spring training game with the clock in the side, it was distracting. I didn't love it. I also yeah. would like to know what the clock is because it's part of the game. And if there's a violation, you want to know, hey, that's the violation besides watching a home plate up by say it's Dame time and, and turning around to the score box. Uh, to the press box and 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 throwing up an 0-1 count. I I guess I think I'm okay with the bug popping up with 10 seconds to spare. I think I'm okay. And, and again, it goes back to the point where, you know, if if there's nobody on base and it starts at 15 seconds and the guy just received, so he throws the baseball, uh, the pitcher receives the ball back from the catcher. The, now the clock starts again he's really throwing a pitch within seven seconds after he received the baseball. So it's going fast. I guess maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I do want to see it because I like to see it when I'm watching NFL games and, and I'm watching the NBA and yeah. same with hockey, like a, like a power, like a penalty. So I, I'm, I think it has to be part of the bug. I just don't know if it's better when it pops up or if it's just a running clock. I, I'm not quite sure. So I think I might give me a little time to think about it more, but I do think it's part of the game. So it's important to see it if you're a fan. Yeah. There's been a couple of times where I've been watching a spring training game where they don't have it. And I'm like, it's gotta be getting close. And I kind of want to know at the end, you know, and obviously it, it is, well, if they don't show it at all, some, again, some are showing it as maybe at the eight second mark when the inter has to be engaged, but I'd like to see it, but almost to the point where if you can disguise it in the sense that you could only look at it if you really want to. Right. Like I, I've seen it a couple of different ways. I'm like, oh, that would work. That's subtle enough, but I know where it is. And it's going to be consistent on my local broadcast. And, and I'll go look for it then. So there are so many different things, man. I think that we'll get through a lot of it in spring training. There'll still be a few more things to iron out. You know, the idea of should the rules be different in the ninth inning? We certainly don't want to see things end uh, on a, a pitch clock violation. That's not a great look, but I think Major League Baseball has made that decision. They're going to be steadfast on the rules, whether or not they adjust. They've adjusted on rules before in season. Whether or not they adjust, we will see if there's something that needs to be addressed because it is a little bit different. But uh, either way, um, good stuff, man. Good topic, one that is not going to go away. It's going to be around um, for a long time. If you enjoyed our podcast, make sure you check us out on MLB Network Radio every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. And then also the weekend show, Kevin Franson and Chris Jimenez. They do that from 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern time until 1 o'clock. This has been a Loud Outs podcast. Serious XM Podcasts.